May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Coast to Coast podcast here on Inside Carolina, InsideCarolina.com. I'm your host, Joey Powell. With me, as always, are the two minds that make this podcast work. Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Boys, what's going on? How you doing, Joey? I'm good, man. Real, how you doing? How the fruit snacks? How are they? They're good. That's the pre-game. <laughs> that's the pre-podcast tradition. Uh, glad to have you. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, man. And if those of you are, who are tuned in to, to see John Siegley, look, John is freaking talented, and he's actually producing all of the podcasts for Inside Carolina. So they wanted to cut him a break and allow him to go grind on that for a little bit. So you're stuck with me, but. Hopefully, like I was telling the boys before we signed on, hopefully I won't sink the ship and we can kind of keep it moving in the right direction anyway. But uh, now that we've got the intros out of the way, I definitely want to make sure that you guys uh, and ladies who are listening and and watching this, take a second, stop, rate us, review us on whether it's, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Winamp, Napster, Kazaa, whatever it is that you're listening to us on. Uh, how's that for a throwback? Um, uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> take a second to stop and go rate and review the show so that we can find out who's listening, how you like it. And it also helps us get to the top of those uh, those algorithms that allow us to show up sooner when people are looking for, for Carolina sports stuff. Uh, and finally, before we get rolling, I want to give a major shout out to our friends at Johnny T-Shirt. They sponsor this show. They sponsor all the Inside Carolina podcasts. They're huge sponsors of the website as well. Look, brand new i got info johnny t-shirt right now in times of covid are here for you the inside carolina listener subscriber they are now doing door pickup at their store on on franklin street as if you want to swing by there you don't even have to deal with the parking just hit the little you know the little uh pickup lane do the flashers thing run and grab it pick it up don't even have to worry about the parking ticket the feed in the meter none of that stuff they'll always deliver to you they have great shipping turnaround times have always been great at least for me and for folks that i know that have have shot from johnny t-shirt uh, they also have really popular carolina argyle masks right now in these times of covid in these times of pandemic you got to mask up right well johnny t-shirt's got you with an argyle mask that if you look on the website it really really looks good so be sure you take care of johnny t-shirt they've been taking care of us for a long time and we want to make sure that, that we're showing them some love, uh, you know, and shop local. I mean, it's just the right thing to do, right? Speaking of shopping, moving, shaking, all of those things that, that's going on. Boys, what's new since the last time, since the last time we did a Coast to Coast podcast? I know it's, it's not the typical August that we're used to seeing. Rel, I'm going to hit you first. What do you, what do you have new that's on the radar? Well, we're going to get to <clears throat> the new offer that actually happened um, actually happened last night, but it was announced this morning uh, to 2022 Dylan Anderson, who is a uh, face-up four, uh, seven-footer out of Arizona. But we'll talk about him in a little bit. I think, <clears throat> to me, one of the more interesting thing is, things is that um, North Carolina's backup, uh, I would call them backup targets at the guard positions, are slowly 
uh, kind of drifting away. So there was Angelo Brizzy, who we talked about. I feel like we talked about him for the entire month of June, <laughs> who committed to Villanova. Uh, Wade Taylor is another guy who just announced his top five. Carolina uh, wasn't included mostly because it didn't offer. Um, so really that we know of, the only backup out there or, or secondary target is Carter Witt, who is out of Raleigh. And, you know, he just doesn't do much media or interviews. So we don't really know how much UNC is talking to him. So there's a scenario where right now Hunter Salas really is, you know, it for UNC. And the only possible backup target that's known is Carter Witt. So to me, that's been very interesting um, since the last time we talked that these uh, secondary targets are kind of moving on and, and UNC isn't offering. Yeah, that's a, that is a big development or set of developments. Uh, Sean, what do you know? What, what do you think about uh, Hunter Salas being kind of the guy that's getting the emphasis put on him right now? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about him a lot. Uh, both Cheryl and I are, are big fans. Would love to see him in Carolina Blue. I know this past week, uh, Kentucky offered him. Um, so, and I think today he announced a top 12. Um, so I know he had, you know, behind the scenes, Carolina's definitely been recruiting him, him hard. And they've gotten, you know, an early, early jump on him. But once again, with Kentucky entering the mix, still kind of a 12-team race, uh, you know, you're putting, you know, what seems like all your eggs in, in one basket almost. Now, obviously, there's uh, DeMarco Dunn, but he's not, I wouldn't say, really going to help handle the ball too much. Um, you know, then you have Harrison Ingram, who could be that extra ball handler. But once again, you know, his, his final, you know, I think it was five or six, a really final four. Once again, that's kind of another crapshoot. So they're kind of rolling the dice right now. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if one of those comes through. I think if you land another one, a lot of weight comes off, off everybody's shoulders. Uh, but if you miss on one or two, it gets pretty tight real quick. And, and props to, to you, Sean, because we were talking about this kind of same scenario. I guess, man, the last one we did was three weeks ago, maybe. Yep. We were talking about the same scenario. I was like, well, Harrison Ingram isn't coming to Carolina. And, you know, I don't see the fit and blah, blah, blah. Turns out, you know, the kind of positional pitch that UNC gave him was much different than we had originally thought. So um, it's been a week, so we can talk about it. Um, so they see him in more of a – kind of point I don't say point forward but a guy whose utility and versatility they can use um, a, a bunch of different ways and you had mentioned that well you know if they're not able to get Salas and it's just RJ Davis and Anthony Harris and Linky Black then Harrison Inger could come in and he could almost be the de facto you know kind of backup point guard because he has those kind of ball skills um, and the UNC staff compared him to Theo Pinson and we know that functionally in 2017 Pinson was the primary facilitator. So props to you, Sean, because I hadn't thought about that. And then talking to, you know, some folks around Harrison, talking to his dad, that's kind of what came to light. So um, maybe it's more that, you know, Harrison Ingram is almost one of those, could be considered one of those backcourt uh, secondary targets almost. Like if you get him, you kind of cover yourself with two positions. I think, you know, Theo Pinson, I, I guess when we were chatting, um, he didn't even come to mind because – going back to that year, he really was, you know, you had Joel Berry, who was a shooter scorer, even though he was the one bringing the ball up the court. It's really Theo Pinson, who was the one that had the best vision and best passing on that team. So I guess that makes more sense. I know we were kind of debating, you know, we know how he plays in AAU in high school with the ball in his hands. He's a good passer, kind of lets the game come to him before he starts scoring, but at six, seven, you know, where did he fit in the Carolina offense on the perimeter? So 
I think that, you know, that comparison makes sense. And once again, now I guess you have Salas and Ingram in terms of secondary ball handlers, uh, at least right now in, in the fold. And then, you, you know, we talked about RJ Davis too. A lot of people say he's like kind of a slider, smaller Joe Barry. So, I mean, it starts to fit a little bit. You can see the plan maybe that it's in the coaching staff's head. Of, okay, we have a, a dynamic scorer who maybe we want to unleash him to score and not have him, you know, always worry about distributing and doing those kind of things. Um, so, I mean, the, the comparison's there, and I see um, why they made that pitch. Now, whether or not it resonates, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I think it, it's, a, it's a good pitch and one that kind of surprised me, to be honest. I love that you guys uh, both mentioned that because I think on the last episode, the thought was that, you know, because we don't know how UNC is, is pitching to Ingram, you know, they, the, the comment I think one of you guys said was, we really like what he does in so many different areas. But now the fact that you've got a little bit of, uh, you got a little bit of source material that, that shows, yeah, UNC is considering him as kind of a, you know, a four and, and a point. Let me ask you guys this. When, when did you ever think that UNC basketball would be looking at a guy like that specifically potentially running the ball? You know, uh, Leaky, I think, fits that a little bit. But y'all take off on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I ever – I guess <laughs> – I'll take that back. So, it, I feel like they were very rigid in what they did from when uh, Roy got there, uh, probably through around 2015 to 2016. I, I would say 2016, to me, is when things started to change. That was the mm -hmm. class that really suffered maybe more than any from the NCAA stuff. Um, I think that's still the most offers he's ever given one class is like 24 or 25 offers. And you started to see them. Um, and maybe it was what Luke May was doing in practice because that changed things. Um, but you started to see them offer more of the, the combo forwards and, and the kind of hybrid forwards and the guys who wanted the ball in their hands, but were also six, nine, you know, kind of what the NBA is moving to. Yep. Um, so, so maybe 2016 kind of is, is when it changed. And now you see that each class, they've really gone hard after those kind of, uh, you know, uh, jumbo wings, for lack of a better term, the, the Brandon Ingram types. They really um, have gone after them, even though, one, they don't have a <laughs> great track record of signing them, and two, maybe sometimes the fit isn't the best um, at UNT with those type of guys, but they're still pursuing them. So I, I think it's partly a reflection on where basketball is going and an acknowledgement that, it, you know, you can play – the way you want to play and still win a lot of games, but maybe to win a championship, you're going to have to switch things up every once in a while. It doesn't have to be full-time, but just maybe you have to go 15 or 18 minutes playing a different style than maybe, uh, two, you know, 15 years ago, you would have played 40 minutes the same style. Sean, do you think it's fair to call this like the LeBron or the Kawhi effect where you've got, you know, these bigger guys like, like Sherelle called them the jumbo wings kind of facilitating everything and handling the ball. Do you think that's something we'll see more of at a UNC moving forward? <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, I don't think uh, right off the bat down, you know, down the road, obviously with, with Leakey being a guy that kind of in high school, he was, you know, I remember him Adidas, um, you know, Adidas camp AAU. He was playing point guard pretty much the whole time and he wanted the ball in his hands. And then, you know, he's still operating as kind of a de facto ball handler. So there you have a guy six, seven, but I mean, I think in general, you know, the guys are going to want to have their ball in their the ball in their hands and the bigs are going to be, you know, wanting to shoot. Um, and I think a lot of teams have adapted to that. And just to go back to Ingram for a second, I mean, when you look at Stanford and Purdue, two schools in his top list, they're the ones telling him, Hey, 
you come in, the ball's going to be in your hands mm. right off the bat. So he's getting that full pitch just because they don't really have as many guys, you know, there compared to Carolina that, that will have a few, you know, a few waiting. Um, so it's a little bit different where they're saying you come in and be the man with the ball versus Carolina. So in terms of the, the jumbo, you know, jumbo wings, um, you know, I think Carolina will obviously stay towards that traditional six, four to six, six type of wing that, you know, you don't really need to handle the ball a whole lot, but I think when you do have that guy with, you know, Theo or an Ingram that can handle the ball, it's just an added, added bonus. Awesome. Good insight, man. I appreciate that. So Sherelle mentioned a little bit earlier and I want to dive into it a little bit and let you guys kind of give your, your insight on onto this guy. I'm really upset that his name isn't pronounced Dylon because I really want to make a Chappelle show joke, but uh, Dylan Anderson, Rel, what can you tell our, our listeners about him? Uh, I have to be careful because some of this stuff is going to be in the story either tomorrow or uh, mm-hmm. Wednesday. So try and be careful. But uh, I think the main thing to think about with him is that he's a big, he is kind of a face up four. Um, again, just going back to what we were talking about of UNC kind of switching things up. Uh, people would say, you know, well, they, they, he had Jawad Williams and he had Luke May, but between those two, there really wasn't much of anything close to what you would call. You That's know, the list. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't much. I mean, Marvin was there, but he was there with Jawad. So, I mean, that, there wasn't much of, of stretch four anyway. Um, since then, they, they did something that is in their toolkit to recruit, and that's what Anderson, you know, and his family consider him is, is a stretch four. I, I think what um, the big thing about the offer is is that Armando Baycott, Walker Kessler, and Dayron Sharp, there's a very small chance that they're there as seniors and juniors, which would be when Anderson, who was in 2022, would come in. So I think what you're going to see is North Carolina is going to need multiple big men, you know, two, maybe three, depending upon – who leaves this year um, and who they sign. So I think you're, you know, him as a four, I think you'll see a, a, a true five offered. You probably see uh, more of a, a brutish type four offered. Um, but I think it's just the first kind of the opening salvo of Roy's offers when it comes to bigs. And, and to me, that's the big takeaway is they're going to, they're going to need multiple guys. And so even though people see that he's from Arizona and, you know, he's from the West coast, there's an automatic assumption that, um, you know, he's going to go to a certain, he's going to go to Arizona because that's where he's from, but it doesn't hurt to throw your hat in the ring, especially when you're going to need multiple, multiple guys. And I think that's what this offer says. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ironic. And I want to make sure our listeners and our, our viewers are understanding this. this is a 2022 kid. You know, most of the guys we've been talking about earlier are, are potential 2021. This is a 2022 kid. Sean, what do you know about his game? So for 2022, he's the fourth player that UNC has offered first, uh, you know, true big man. And I guess, you know, I feel like, you know, watching these NBA playoffs and, and hearing the positions, I just don't know what a position means anymore. Um, <laughs> That's fair. You, you know, hearing, hearing a stretch four, um, in my mind, like he's, he's never going to be a stretch four. Um, offensively, he'll be on the perimeter, but defensively, like, are you going to have him trying to guard a six, seven, you know, wing? Pro- probably not. But that being said, um, you know, I, I haven't seen him in person, but have been able to watch, watch some tape. And for a guy being seven foot as a rising junior, he moves, you know, he's not a freak athlete, but he definitely has some coordination. Um, he's really, you know, really skinny, but he definitely looks like he, he has the ability to put on, 
probably a good 20 to 30 pounds, I would say, over the next next few years. Um, has the ability to shoot, has a kind of a very fluid jump shot. Um, you know, I think for him right now, more comfortable in the post, uh, right hand hook up and under, et cetera. Can't get pushed around. I was watching some of his AU clips from last year and he was getting, you know, pushed around a little bit in the post, but I think that's, that's common just for somebody <laughs> that, that big right now. Um, but once again, runs the floor pretty well, um, agility wise, you know, not amazing, but anytime he was on a pick and roll, even if the guard got by him, he could kind of, you know, time the shot block pretty well. Um, so I really liked what I did see from him. And I do think there's a lot of room for him to grow. Um, from a, a basketball perspective, I don't think the comparison makes perfect sense, but in terms of just how he looked, um, for some reason, the name Eric Chenoweth or Chenoweth was popping in my, hmm. my head back from Roy's, uh, I think yeah. like 98, 99 Kansas, Kansas squad. And I was looking him up and he was listed as a senior as seven foot two seventy. So obviously had a lot of weight, but I would imagine when he was in high school, he was probably, you know, kind of a similar, similar. More slight. Um, so I don't think he had the outside game that he did, but you know, in, in terms of how he looked and moved, I, it took me about five to 10 minutes to kind of the name to come in my head. And then I started watching some 99 uh, Kansas uh, Kentucky games, but um yeah, you know, it, it should be a good one. And I think for him, he's rated number 62 by 24-7. So right now, they, you know, besides for Jalen Bradley, they haven't – sorry, Jaden Bradley, they haven't really offered those top 10 guys. So it seems like they're being pretty selective with who they are throwing those first offers out to. Yeah, I appreciate the breakdown of his game. I love the Eric Chenoweth reference. That's a, that's a pretty deep cut. I love that. Um, <laughs> Once again, it could be completely wrong, but I just <laughs> – the, the body type and height, uh, it, it, it was triggering my memory. So we'll, we'll see. But. It does seem like hearing you guys talk about a lot of these younger players, especially where it's a face-up four, traditional five, the kids that are like seven foot at, at that early of a stage, they all seem very, very rail thin. Like they all, you know, and I, I guess just anatomy and, and gross spurts and stuff, but it seems like he's just another one of those, like you said, that's probably got to put some beef on if he wants to not get, not get slung around the AAU circuit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it looked like he it looked like he was already, you know, had some strength to him. So I could see him doing that pretty, pretty easily. But once again, your, your center of gravity, especially if you're going against, you know, you know, a football tight end, they're, they're just going to push you, push you off the block. But, you know, for him, he could he could catch from three and, you know, pull up a little bit. So I know we've talked about Chet Holmgren on the podcast. and He's definitely not Chet Holmgren yet. But, you know, in terms of being that seven foot guy with some perimeter skills he definitely definitely showed that awesome. he's up he's up to 225 now so he's mm. he's put on some weight over the last he's, year or this year last he's gained months. weight since we started this podcast <laughs> he'll be at the 270 <laughs> before you know it that's right <laughs> depending on how long we talk tonight he might actually you might actually get there tonight all right guys so what else has happened on the national scene that you feel like may have some ripple effects with unc whether it's guys that carolina's already got an offer out to whether it's maybe some guys that, you know, Carolina was, was waiting to see who developed and they committed elsewhere. Is there anything on the national scene that you feel like uh, maybe we'll have some, you know, later on down the line or, or affects North Carolina right now, Shrill? Um, Down the line, I could see Paolo Benchero picking Duke as something that impacts UNC, mainly because um, they're considered the favorite for Patrick Baldwin already. Mm-hmm. And they already have uh, A.J. Griffin, who was teammates with R.J. Davis in high school, uh, committed. And so if you assume they get those three, 
Um, I think it's going to be very hard for someone like Caleb Houston, um, one of UNC's top targets in 2021, a reclass from 2022, um, plays kind of a small forward, maybe be able to do some four, but I think more of a wing. Um, <clears throat> it'd be hard, I think, for him to go there with all three of those guys already there because they're, they're kind of all the same player. I think Vanchero <laughs> maybe is a little more post-oriented, but they all have a, a lot of similarities in how they play. So I, I think that could be a, a benefit for, for UNC moving down the line. And then with Kenny Chandler picking Tennessee, obviously um, Kentucky is, is out of it with him. So you saw the offer, as Sean mentioned, go out to Hunter Salas. So um, I think those two things impacted Carolina because I don't want to say that Carolina um, had a breakaway lead or anything, but I think they are in a good spot with Salas and there aren't many schools who could come in and catch UNC from behind, but one of the probably two who could do it is Kentucky. So sure. I think that um, is something to, to monitor those two things. That's, that's, that's good feedback. Sean, you got anybody that, that you feel like is, it may have some, some ripple effects that would affect either UNC's, UNC's current recruiting efforts or something maybe down the line? I mean, I, I think, you know, going back to Salas in terms of what, you know, what's going to help him make the decision? Is it somehow getting to getting to campus or, or is it doing, you know, some more virtual visits? Um, so I think, you know, right now we'd be talking about Labor Day weekend coming up and, you know, who, who's game. the first, yeah. you know, so who's, who's the recruiting class coming, coming in. Um, so, you know, but even, even looking through the 2021 class, it's not like there's a lot of guys in that top, 30 or 40 that all of a sudden you say, Oh, you know, Carol, I think, you know, he'll get an offer pretty soon because, you know, a lot of them are committing as Sheryl mentioned, and some of them are, you know, other guys are just not fits. Um, I mean, you can probably go through the top 15 and pick a handful that will go to the G league. Um, you know, whether or not that happens this year is, is I think will be interesting to see. Um, but so I don't think any true ripple effects. It's just to me interesting to see the progression of the offers when they're coming. You know, I think we all thought Brizzy might get an offer or some other, some of these other guys and, you know, UNC just didn't want to pull the trigger. So we'll see how those guys turn out. But once again, they want to be very sure on who they're offering. And they're not Arizona or Kansas where they just throw out offers to everybody and then yeah. see how things shake out. So being very selective uh it'll be very interesting just to see you know as the next two or three offers if it's 2022 2021 you know how they're expanding expanding the mix yeah the the last 2021 offer was i think to demarco dunn right and that was in that was in may so they've had a chance to evaluate these guys they've watched um you know some of the some of the tournaments the pop-up events that have been going on they've watched those via live stream you know i'm sure they've watched so much aau film and high school film and the only offers they've well, given out since uh, Jamari Smith. Oh, uh, well he, yeah, they would have offered him before though. You know, that, <laughs> that one doesn't matter. Um, they, so yeah, Jabari Smith, but different class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so much like, but the point is like, since everything happened, Hunter Salas and DeMarco Dunn are the only ones who um, they've offered who wasn't kind of a slam dunk offer. Like, you said a year ago, like last July, you're like, they're going to offer Jabari Smith. It's just a matter right. of when. So that one's, that was, we knew that was coming at some point. Um, even Salas, we kind of had an idea. I think Dunn was the only one that really caught us off guard. We thought they would talk to him, but maybe not go straight into an offer. So to me, A, the shows confidence in your roster, confidence in where you are with your current targets, or just a complete lack of um, 
uh, I can't even think of the word, uh, just lack of enthusiasm for the 2021 class. And maybe it's all three. I don't know. But um, it, it is surprising. I thought there would be a few more offers in, in 2021. Well, I think, you know, um, you know, just speaking of how few offers there are, you know, if, if we did have an actual AU season and you go, you know, the two weeks in the spring and then all July and once again, you have those guys that are going to, going to break out. I mean, right now we're watching Donovan Mitchell drop 50 points a game in uh, the NBA playoffs. And I remember Rob Harrington in Vegas, you know, just, mm. you know, hoping that UNC was going <laughs> to, you know, turn their heads and, and watch him play on, on one of the other courts there. Uh, so, I mean, you have so many guys that, you know, and it's probably harder to break out in these smaller, you know, AU tournaments where either the live feeds aren't good or the competition isn't great. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy that there have been so few offers, but I guess that just speaks to what we're in right now. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing. The fact that things are just so weird right now with how, you know, the, the, the staff is evaluating the availability to even see guys like you guys mentioned, you're watching, you know, maybe a stream from a, a dimly lit gym that has four teams in it as opposed to the typical tournament size with all that stuff playing, you know, kind of against everybody, right? Yeah. You know, all the schools are having to deal with it. Do you guys have any feel of, of any of the players that are out on this landscape that may be coming to a close in their you know, in their recruitment. And, and I'm not asking you guys to predict, you know, we, this is not something we do on the show. We predict who's going to commit where, but do you guys get a sense and Sean, I'll go to you first. Do you get a sense of any of these players that might be winding down their, their process anytime soon? Um, it's a tough one. I mean, I think in terms of the guys UNC is after, I would probably lean Ingram if I had to pick any, and that's only just because he did a lot of his due diligence during his junior season getting out to a lot of the campuses. So he's already seen much more than most other people have. Um, and he, you know, he's down, down his list. So, you know, if he's not going to wait until the spring to see who else is around, you know, I, I could see him committing, I mean, obviously probably the soonest of, of the guys, but once again, we've seen other ones all of a sudden just kind of announce their signing date out of the blue. Um, but I would say Ingram just because he's, he did all his visits or not all of his visits, but he got out a lot early on. Terrell, you feel about the same, or is there anybody that you feel that, that could be a potential dominant to fall anytime soon? And again, I'm not asking you to prognosticate where anybody's going to go. Yeah, I agree with Sean. Uh, I think Ingram is up there. He took multiple visits. I think we all talk about him because it seems like Carolina has no shot. I think Trevor Keels is probably close to, to a decision. 
um, for the same reason, you know, he um, lives in a, a pretty good radius where he can drive to schools and visit schools. Mm -hmm. And he's got teammates at, or former AAU teammates at Villanova. He's got friends at Virginia. He's got um, a former AAU teammate at Duke. So <clears throat> he kind of has an idea about the schools and I'm sure he's talking to those guys and trying to get feedback. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there. And I wouldn't be surprised if De DeMarco Dunn, I, I think he's probably nearing the end too, because for someone like him, I think visits would have been really important uh, just because, you know, a year ago, frankly, no one knew who he was right. from a national right. level. Um, so I think visits would have been really important for him. He probably would have enjoyed kind of being the guy and, and being talked up and, you know, and he's a kid, so he would have enjoyed it. But since that's not going to happen and it looks like visits aren't going to happen anytime soon, I could see him just picking from um, his top seven and picking his school and just getting over with. So I, I would say Dunn and Keels are, are probably pretty close. And I think England's pretty close too. And I don't think Salas is far away either, even though he just released a top 12. Mm. Um, just from talking to people around him, I don't get the impression that they wanted to linger. And, Didn't Baycott um, do that, though? Didn't he drop like a six and then like a week later he committed or he something? He did. It was like August 4th or something. He dropped. <laughs> and the, the list was so – it was like Oklahoma State and Duke and Carolina <laughs> and a couple other schools I can't remember. And we are like, okay, so he'll do that and then he'll take official visits. And then, you know, maybe the day before he committed, we kind of got the tip that it was, it was coming and, wow. you know, committed to UNC. So uh, a lot of guys do that where they put out a list and then before you know the recruitment's over because it's one thing to say hey i want to enjoy the process and get through it all but think about it joey if you have a top six there are three you know three or four coaches from each school calling you so that's 24 people and then there are for each one of those schools there's at least one reporter so that's 30 people some places probably have two reporters so that's called 34 so you've got like you know 34 to 40 people texting and calling and trying to get info from you every day that gets grading and old I'm sure. i think a lot of times guys want to write it out but they just get sick of it and say okay i know where i'm going and they you know, just go ahead and announce a decision look man i got i got three other people within this house that always want information from me i don't i don't want to answer them so i have right. no idea how how 30 to 40 would look right. one more question before we start trying to wrap wind the show down uh for our listeners and for our viewers, this is so weird because to put into context, a lot of these players, most of their development, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the development happens during that junior to senior year of, of AAU ball. That's when most of their offers come in, correct? Like, isn't that where most of the development happens that last year before they're seniors in high school? I think, yeah, I mean, unless, unless you're that top, you know, top 10, 15, five star guy, um, def yeah, definitely. So, once again, you know, there's the guy, this, we've talked about it a few times, but the schools that are doing their due diligence and know how to, you know, pick them out, they're going to be able to find the guys that are 50 or below that end up turning into, you know, early starters or really, you know, true impact players. So, um, you know, especially the guys right now, um, it's, it's challenging, uh, both for the players and the coaches. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's not – people think, well, oh, they're just playing AU and they play three games a weekend or whatever. But, you know, this is a collection of talent between the three circuits. And especially on EYBL, it's consolidated the entire country's basketball talent that's, you know, in, in high school. And they play against each other. So, you know, you have that. And then you have – if you're good enough, if you're, you know, a top 50 maybe type kid – you get to go to USA, which is a whole nother level of competition. Yeah. And then if you're in that same group, depending upon which circuit you're on, 
you know, you get to go to Steph Curry's camp or you get to go to Nike Skills Academy or you get to go to whatever Adidas has, I guess, like James Harden or Lillard <laughs> camp or something. You get to go to those things and you test yourself. I mean, it's one thing to score like 40 points, you know, at Douglas Bird against Pine Forest, but it's, <laughs> a, it's a completely other thing, you know, to, to shine in these AU tournaments. And I think um, people just don't grasp the level of competition that these guys are, are playing. I mean, these, so many of these guys are going to be in the NBA that you watch it on the EYBL. Um, it doesn't seem like it at the time because they're in high school, but in two or three years, they're going to be in, in the NBA. And I, I think missing that level of competition just hurts everyone. I think it's important that you guys shared that because, you know, as long as our listeners are hearing this and yeah, you know, COVID and the pandemic is different for everybody, but it really does affect how these guys develop in addition to how they're getting their offers and how teams are throwing offers out to a kid and how the recruiting process just looks. So there's, there's a lot of stuff. If you're thinking that, well, gosh, why hasn't Roy and his staff offered this guy or why aren't they high on this? It's just because this is so different and you're not even getting to see kids during their most developmental phase, I guess, for lack of a, a better classification for that. Um, yeah. I mean, one, sorry, one quick thing to, sure. to add. I mean, this, this year would have been the U 17s. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't think I was at the last one, but have been to a few of those, the U17 tryouts. And, you know, you can't ask for a better competitive environment than that, where I remember, I guess it was, I'm, I'm dating myself now, but 2014, and you had several lottery picks get cut, um, you know, first cut, second cut from that U17 team. And you had other guys that, you know, maybe they had played well in EYBL and were starting to do well, and they just, you know, took it to another level going against the best um and you, you miss that this year um and then you most likely will miss my other favorite event in october the usa developmental camp uh where you have two gyms 80 guys across all four classes going against each other um and i i, I did well I, I was gonna say i doubt that'll take place but i don't know maybe, maybe there's maybe there's some hope for that but bubble hope again, man. bubble hope once again that's you know those are you know, that and Peach Jam, I mean, those are very, very high level quality um, events that everybody won't get to get to plan. Yeah. So as we head towards the finish line here, um, I want to give you guys a chance to kind of mention anything that you feel may be coming down, down the pike, whether it's uh, potential offers, you know, I know rankings aren't really going to evolve because there's, there's no ball being played, but um, any other kind of forecasting that you might see Sherelle, i'll go to you first and this could also include any content you're getting ready to throw up on inside carolina in the next i don't know 24 to 48 hours <laughs> well uh we hope to talk to dylan anderson soon uh, about the unc offer um and just learn more about his game because it, it's frustrating for me for sean for ben for the, the basketball staff because we just can't get out and, and really watch <laughs> players and you know, if you, if you pay $45 for a feed and you can't watch anything, then I'm sure that that's a little more frustrating as well. So <laughs> there's no way to all these guys who are getting offers in 2022, especially they would have been on our watch list, you know, over the summer because um, you know, that's our chance to kind of ingratiate ourselves into, into the back, into AU season, really watch kids multiple times and, and, um, kind of get a feel for their game. So <clears throat> that's frustrating. Anyway, you asked me what's coming. So that is coming. And then, um, you know, I'm just curious to see 2022, 
we just don't have a, a great beat on, to be honest, because of what I just mentioned. So who knows might get, who might get offered in the next week or so. Um, you know, it just depends on who, uh, you know, Roy decides to call and, and say you've got a UNC offer. And we, <laughs> we have an idea of maybe, you know, 10 to 15 guys who it might be. But um, this year is just so different. We don't know when it's coming. Usually we have a good feel for it. But this year is just everything is kind of um, out of order. Sean, anybody that that rail may have may have glossed over in the not going to happen category? <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't think he glossed over anybody. I think in terms of stuff coming out, uh, the recruiting board will be updated with Dylan Anderson by the time this podcast is out, and then uh, the fit will be coming back for the class of 2022. So I know only four guys right now, but trying to watch a little bit more of them in both their high school and AAU settings before doing that, which will be in a little bit of a different style than the 2021, since you're now projecting another, another year out. Um, but, you know, as Sherelle mentioned, you know, I, I mentioned the 2014 U17 tryouts and, you know, going into that, I could probably recite everybody's scouting report and everybody's go-to move just because I'd seen them so many times in AAU play and, or high school. And now you have, you know, these 2022 guys where you're just trying to watch uh, highlight clips and everybody, you know, once you, you watch a highlight clip and then you watch the full game tape and you're like, wait a minute, you know, where, 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 where is half of this, half of this stuff? Um, so it, it's, it's challenging, but once again, um, excited to kind of start, start doing those. And I'm sure there'll be more to come as offers keep, keep rolling out. And All right. I, I'm going to say one thing and I, I just want to keep beating this drum and I'm going to beat it until you know, there's basketball again. But if you're an evaluator and you're looking at someone in 2022, the last time they played a meaningful game where, like, you know, that's in that's, that's not in a dimly lit gym, that's not <laughs> against, like, you know, that's not against the West over All-Stars or whatever. Like, Man, you hate the last, some, <laughs> some Mid-South teams right I'm now. I'm trying to get everybody from Cumberland County in here. The last time <laughs> they saw him was in March. So assume – you know, that things kind of stay where they are. And maybe there's not a – the season doesn't start until January or February, like the North Carolina High School Athletics Association is doing. You're missing a year of film and, and video and evaluation on these guys. And like you said, I mean, 10th to 12th grade, like young guys are changing like crazy there. I mean, Anthony Davis grew – what was it? Eight or nine inches between his 10th and 11th grade year. So a guy that you might have liked, you know, last March is going to be completely different when you see him in January. And that is, that is hard for evaluators, especially when you have to make offers and there maybe are, are people closer to you that you've seen who you need to make a decision on. That's just, that is going to be a big problem. I, I really believe that um, if, there, if games don't start getting played soon. It's like getting wasted trying to make a flambe, I guess. You, just, you got no <laughs> idea how it's going to turn out. Yeah. Look, guys, as usual, you know, you two have brought the heat. I mean, just e even when there's no – you know, this isn't a typical August on the recruiting show. You guys are still bringing, bringing knowledge and information for our listeners and our subscribers, and we appreciate it. And speaking of subscribers, I want to remind everybody who's watching or listening, if you are not a currently an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, make that change, please. Michael Jackson said it best. Make that change. Go ahead and subscribe. Get all the goodness that, that Rail and, and Sean were talking about that's going to come out uh, in the next couple of days. Recruit, access the recruiting board, seeing new articles when they come out. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Inside Carolina podcast. If you like what we're doing, rate us, give us a high review. If you don't like what we're doing, give us a heads up. Say, hey, this could be fixed. We appreciate it. We want to know that we're providing good content for our subscribers. And also want to just give a couple more special thanks to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring the show. 
Uh, make sure you hit them up. Get your cool Argyle mask. Get your new Jumpman gear. It still looks like, fingers crossed, we're going to have some football. Hey, don't be the guy sitting, you know, sitting at your house watching in a, a jersey from, from 1986. Go ahead and hook yourself up. They got all the Jumpman, all the Nike, all the new stuff. You name it. Johnny T-Shirt's got it. JohnnyT-Shirt.com. I also want to give a big shout-out to John Siegley for producing. And that's all we got. Boys, anything else before we, before we, we roll credits? Looking, looking forward to seeing what the next two weeks brings. brings. All right. Westover played really well last year. So let's go E.E. Smith All-Stars instead. E.E. Smith All-Stars. I hear you. There we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> all right. For, for Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran, I'm Joey Powell. We'll hit you guys next time. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.